through They Are Us, Pastor Shane kicked it off a few weeks ago talking about Zaki Us, that's right, and we talked about that anybody can change, anybody can change, and hopefully you were blessed by that. Then the second week, Pastor Shane came back and we talked about Nicodemus, yes, and Nicodemus was deep down change that we can make. Last week, Pastor Ben talked about Ty, all right, you guys are... Jiving with me. I like, I like these kind of days. Um, the disciple on the dock, looking at Paul's letter to a young Titus and, and looking at uh, things that we can learn from that about discipleship. And, and so this week, I want to talk with you about Lazar, Lazarus. I want to tell you the story. I love diving into the story. Lazarus, you know, he's in a home. He lives in a home with his two sisters. And, and he... And his sisters befriend a, a radical rabbi. And, and he's a cont- controversial figure. And, and he's a, a miracle worker. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And he's friends with Lazarus and, and Martha and Mary. And in John chapter 11, which is where we're going to camp out today, the, the, the story opens in its gloomy cloud cloudy storms that are hanging over this little house in Bethany. And no doubt that Jesus, you know, uh, appreciated the friendship and the love that he had with Lazarus and with Martha and with Mary. And their friendship uh, that they offered him was received and you can see them communing together, fellowshipping together. But their relationship to him did not insulate them from experiencing pain, and f- or fear, or sadness, or tragedy. Now, that is so critical for us today. Because some of us love God, we've opened up our hearts to God, we've accepted God to become our Lord and Savior, and, and we, we, we sometimes have this misbelief that all of a sudden, because of that decision to follow God, that, that life's going to be easy. That we're, that we're insulated and we're protected and we're not going to experience grief and heartache and sorrow. And it can really warp us in our own theology. And so I want to talk with how we can uh, pull from this story to see that just like Lazarus and his sisters who are asking, and your message outline is, where are you, God? That oftentimes I think we ask that same question in certain circumstances and seasons of our own life. We're questioning, God, where are you? And what I hope that you you gain from um, today's message is how do I change my perspective even when I don't see God changing my circumstances? Can anybody relate where, where where they feel like, God, I'm questioning where are you? And you're looking and you're saying, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. Maybe today you can, you can look at how Mary and Martha and Lazarus walked through this, that it would begin to help us to identify what needs to change within us in our own perspectives, in our own thinking, as we walk through these seasons. 
Now, my teaching style that, that you, uh, if you've been a part of North Point, know is that I love digging into stories of scriptures and, and, and making a movie out of it. I mean, I, I want to I set a scene as, I, as I'm digging into a story that I got my, my popcorn with my extra butter and my Diet Coke because that offsets the extra butter and the popcorn. And, 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 I, and I like to read and picture myself, you know, in the scene of what was happening. And so John chapter 11 is where you're going to find the story, but I just want to kind of tell you the story and paint the picture. So, so there's a home, and, and Lazarus is living there with his two sisters, and Lazarus becomes sick. And, and he's getting sicker and sicker. And, and one of the truths that we know about this time is they didn't have the modern medicines that we have today. They didn't have the state-of-the-art hospitals and the care that we had. What they knew is history. And they had seen history proved out over and over again through the years in which that people often got sick, family members, friends, loved ones. Then they got worse, and then they died. And so they experienced that, I'm sure, over and over again as they didn't have the doctors and the medication and the things that we have today that can prolong life and can heal bodies. And so when someone was sick, people were really worried. And as they watched Lazarus, they continued to get sicker and sicker. You got to know in their home that they, they were worried. They were worried that they were going to lose their brother. Lazarus was worried that he was going to die. I'm sure he didn't want to die. And so as they're, they're, they're pondering what they're going to do, as they continue to see Lazarus get de de degraded and get it worse and worse over the time, is that they have an idea. We know somebody. We have a friend in Jesus, and they knew that Jesus had healed the blind man, had made the lame walk again. They knew that he had freed a man in his mind that was crazy and out of his mind and brought deliverance to him. They, they knew that just him walking in a crowd of a young girl who touched the hem of his robe and received healing. And they were, they were strangers to Jesus, but we know Jesus. We're friends with Jesus. We do life with Jesus. Jesus has come into our house. He's ate our food. We've sat under this rabbi's teaching. We just got to let him know that Lazarus is sick. And so they call a courier to come and delay, to deliver an important message to Jesus. And they say, okay, okay, can you, can, you, can, you, can you tell them this? And you need to hurry. You need to find the fastest camel. You need to go. Time is of the essence. You need to go find Jesus, and you need to tell him that the one that, 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 that he loves is sick. I love that in the story because just think through that one statement. The one. They didn't name him Lazarus. He didn't say the one that loves you. It's the one that he loves. The one, Jesus, the one that you love, he's sick. Come quickly. And so off the guy went to look for Jesus. All the while they continued just to watch as their loved one continued to get sicker and sicker. And you got to know the pacing that must have went into it and, and the sleepless nights and, and, and the waiting and the, and the caring for this loved one on his bed. And watching over and saying, just hold on. Whispering in his ear, Jesus is coming. Just hold on. We got word out. He's going he's gonna, he's gonna to know that you're sick. Just hold on. And so they wait. 
Anybody been in a season of waiting? There's a couple principles that I want us to pull out from this story. And the first one is that when it seems like God is late, it's not because he doesn't love you. See, many of us believe that when God seems to be late or he's not there or he's not answering, it must be because he just doesn't love me. Twice in three verses, we see God's love for his children. Your outline, 11.3 says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. That's a bold statement if they didn't believe it. If in their interactions with Jesus that that they didn't really understand and, and felt the love of Jesus that he had for this family and for this man. Then in verse five it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. There are times of waiting and there's times and disappointments in our life. And there are times when it seems that God is late or that he's not even going to show up. But as a child of God, as a believer who's opened up their hearts and invited Jesus in, can I just tell you, never doubt God's love for you. This is a biblical truth that's been proven over and over again. God loves you. Most famous verse, John 3.16, for God so what? He so loved. Put your name in there. We can't equate what's going on in our circumstances to God's love. Many of us equate our circumstances or our situations to God's love. This is theologically wrong. Some of us uh, believe because this is our own upbringing, it's our own dysfunction in our, in our families, is that we have to earn love. Anybody, anybody you know, play that game out in their head? I have to be worthy of the love that I'm going to receive, so I have to do X, Y, and Z. This, this is messed up theology. God loves us unconditionally not based on what we do or what we don't do. And so we need to change that way of thinking. So they wait. Sometimes it's hard to wait. Sometimes we want to do something and there's, and there, and there's really nothing to do. There's nothing worse than, than, than sitting around waiting in anticipation. And hoping. And many of us today are in that spot. We're in that season of life where we're waiting for God to move. We're waiting for God to show up. But another truth that I want to pull out is just because God seems late, it doesn't mean no. Now it can, but oftentimes we are, we are in the, the microwave society in which we want instantaneous answers and results. And our concept of waiting is in, it must be no, and so then we want to jump on to something else. We want to go in a different direction. We want to take control of our own uh, circumstances and our own situations, and we begin to push and, and, and move 
And God's just saying, just wait. Just wait. Verse 6 says, so when they heard that Lazarus was sick, he, he stayed where he was for two more days. When he heard this, can you imagine that he just stayed and he just waited for two days? Now, here's some crazy, when you really think on the story, here's, here's a crazy spot to think about when, when, the, when the guy, the messenger gets to Jesus and says, the one that you love is dying. Jesus' answer is, he's not dying. He's not dying. In fact, look, look at the verse, verse, uh, verse four. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the glory of God that God's son may be glorified through it. I bet the attitude at home changed when the messenger returned back, right? In fact, they probably asked him over and over again. Repeat it again, word for word. What did he say? It will, he will not end in death. Okay, okay. Let's go back to the bedroom and look. Lazarus, guess what? Jesus is coming and he says you're not going to die. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We're going to have a worship service in here. And he didn't get better. He got worse. And then he died. Don't think that Martha and Mary didn't go back to the, to the messenger and go, excuse me, let, let's, let's have a conversation. Um, now exactly word for word, what did he say? Did you write it down? I, I need to know exactly. He said he, his sickness will not end in death. Well, you must have got that wrong. Because our brother is laying in the next room and he's dead. Here's the next point that I hope that we get. And that's that when it seems like God's late, it's never an accident. There's purpose behind it. Lazarus was sick, Lazarus was dying, Lazarus died. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus. And then as you read through the story, you see that Jesus doesn't panic. He doesn't say, hey, let's get the fastest camel and get back there. I got to hurry. It says that he continued on what he was doing for another two days. Why? Because there's purpose. Can, can, I, can I just say this? For those of you who are waiting, anticipating, pleading, hoping, and praying, can I just say this? And I want you to hear Jesus hears you. And begin to look at, God, what is the purpose behind this season? What is the purpose? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? Where are you wanting to take me? Because I don't see it. I don't understand it. But it's never by accident. Waiting on the Lord is a characteristic, characteristic of faithful, of being faithful. My NIV Bible right here, 89 times is the word wait. 89 times it says wait. 
we are in a, in, in a, in a society, in a culture in which waiting is, is a nuisance. We got to move. We got to act. We have to go. See, it wasn't an accident that Jesus hadn't shown up. See, he had a purpose. And this can be hard when we're experiencing pain and discomfort. We feel like that we're being put to the test, but maybe our perspective should be, God, what is your purpose behind this? Help me see what I'm missing. Psalm 28, 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave, be courageous, and yes, wait. Because here's another truth that we can pull out. When it seems like God's late, we can remember he always shows up. He always shows up. It's been almost a week since Mary and Martha sent word that Jesus, to Jesus about Lazarus being sick, sick. And six days later, Jesus is like, okay, let's go. Now, the disciples are confused. Why would Jesus want to go back to Judea? Because they had wanted to kill him. There's, there, was a, there was a group of, of uh, religious Pharisees that wanted him dead. Why do we want to go back into that town? Now it's been so long, Lazarus is dead. Why do we want to go back and risk it? For purpose. Because Jesus <clears throat> is not going to leave his friend hanging. Jesus is not going to leave us in our situation in our pain. The disciples are just confused. John chapter 11, verse 11 says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, Jesus says, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Don't you love the disciples? I mean, just the fact that John put this in the scripture, just like a little com- comedy relief, you know, that man, I think it's one of those, those things that, that Jesus reminds me as I read the scripture is, yeah, I'm not that smart either. I would have said something that dumb too. Well, if he's asleep, isn't he going to wake up? Let's just save the trip. So, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples um, thought that he meant his natural sleep. And so he had to tell them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I love this. Capture the verse 15. I would underline it, highlight it, remember it. And for your sake, he says, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let's go. They had seen these disciples, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, his followers had seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. And yet still, they had doubts. Still, their faith wavered. Still, they struggled to, 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 to trust when Jesus said, I'm going to do something, that he was going to do it. Anybody relate? Anybody read it over and over again? And then it's, when it comes to our own crisis and our own trauma and our own situation, we're like, seriously, God, where are you? You say you never leave us, but I've never felt lonelier. You say you're going to help, but I feel helpless. You, you say that there's a purpose and in, in I can't see it. 
This is what the, the characters in the story are all thinking and processing and dealing with. And Jesus said, I'm glad he died because I'm going to do something that's going to once again prove and show to you that I am who I say that I am. Maybe Jesus is needing to confirm that for you this morning. Maybe because of your doubts, because of your lack of faith, one more time through this situation, he's going to show you to confirm, yes, you are my child and I love you unconditionally and I am who I say that I am. He's always going to show up. Jeremiah 29, 11, I love this verse that says, for I know the plans that I have for you. He knows the plans. We make them. How many of our plans have ever changed? How many, how many of you have ever thought that you would be right where you are today? That life's worked out exactly how you mapped it out on your day planner a decade ago. But you know what? God already knew your plans. Because they're his plans that he has for you, says the Lord. They're plans of good and not of disaster to give you a future and hope. So Jesus finally gets there, Lazarus already dead. Many of the Jews were visiting Mar- uh, uh, Mary and Martha. They were grieving with the family, just getting back to me, summarizing, painting the picture, and they hear that Jesus finally gets there. Late. But he does show up. And, and, and when, you, when you understand the characters, and, and you're going to see, you just see Martha and Mary, and you see how, how, how the, the, the different personalities and, and a couple chapters later, you know the story of, of, of Jesus being in their home, right? And, and, and Mary is the one who breaks the perfume and is at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's doing the house cleaning and wondering how come, you know, she's doing all the work while Mary, her sister, is just being lazy. Okay, that's another story. <laughs> and Jesus had some great profound things. But here's the, here, here, here's the thing. I love because it says that Martha didn't wait for Jesus to get there. Martha went. I can just picture it. Hand on the hip. Jesus... If you would have been here, my brother would be alive, and I'm mad. You're late. Anybody ever get one of those when you were late for dinner? Mary, in her own grief, stays at home, continuing the grief. And so after Jesus has a... a, Conversation with Martha, he goes and says, Go, I'm looking for Mary, I'm looking for your sister. And so Martha goes back into the house and says, Mary, um, the teacher's looking for you. And so in excitement and anticipation, she gets up and she runs out to greet him. And all the people in the house, the, the, the mourners that were mourning with the family, they think she's going to, to the tomb to continue to mourn. And so they follow her out. And her first words are, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. Can you tell her sisters? <laughs> And he challenges them both if you read through the text. Do you believe I am who I say that I am? He's going to live. In fact, Martha's response was, of course he's going to live. In the resurrection, I get that. I knew that. No. I'm the resurrection and the life, and even him who lives will never die. So Jesus is challenging their faith. It's easy to believe and have faith and to walk in faith when life makes sense. But what about when it doesn't? What change in perspective do we need to have 
when circumstances of life don't meet what I thought that they were going to be. Let me give you this final thought. If God always met your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. Have you thought about that? Let that sink in for a minute. If God always met the expectations that you had of him, you'd never get to see how great your God is. Because here's the reality. You think way too small. And we serve a great big God. And so maybe as you're walking through the life situation that you're going through and you're saying, God, where are you? And we change that mindset to, God, what, what can I learn? What can you show me? Where are you taking me? How are you growing me and stretching me? Because I think you can do greater than what I think that, I, that my plans are. And so I'm putting my trust and my faith into you. Now let's think about it. My Bible, 1073 is the story of Lazarus. And in 1073, in my Bible, it says Lazarus dies. There is no hope. The family is distraught. The home is filled with people that are weeping for their loved one. 1073, Martha goes out and can has a conversation with Jesus. Saying, Jesus, I believed in you. I had hope and faith in you. I knew that if I could just get word to you that you could save my brother. And you didn't. And they were hopeless. But all of a sudden I turned the page to 1074. And the family goes from no hope to Jesus standing at the tomb and saying, Lazarus, come on out. For some of us, we just got to wait till we flip the page to see what God's going to do and how God's going to move. A lot of us have written our books and we think it's the end and it's only the end of the chapter. God's not done. Just flip the page. He's going to show up. He's going to move. You just got to wait and be patient. And lean into him during this time of difficulty and this time of hurt and sorrow and pain. I want to close out the story by reading it exactly how John penned it. Verse 38 says, Jesus once more was deeply moved. And he came to the tomb, and it was the cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Jesus says, take the stone away. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by, the time there is, by, the, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Jesus had just told her. Again, this is how I love, what I love about the scripture is this isn't too far from my own stupidity. He just told her what he was going to do. 
He asked her, do you have faith? Yes, Lord, I do. And the same day, they go to the tomb and he says, roll the stone away. Don't. He's dead. He's decomposing. He's rotting. It smells. Oh, man, how many times I have such little faith. How many times that I've talked a big game and how many times that, that I can say one thing and I, can, and I can read something, but I really truly don't believe it because I struggle with my own doubts, my own questions. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away, and when Jesus looked up, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I knew that you always hear me, but I say this, I love this, this is a great glimpse. I'm saying it so that they can all see. They can all hear, they can all experience the relationship that I have with you, that it maybe can change some perspective. I said it for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come on out. Can you imagine just raising a dead? Here's another, another insight. Maybe why Jesus was late. See, in Jewish customs, they, belie- they believed that if someone died, that the spirit hovered around the body for three days so someone could be brought back to life within three days. Not four, not five, not six days. That was impossible. See, there's always purpose. There was a reason why he waited until they couldn't say that it was any other thing that they believed that had to be only the power of God that can raise from the dead. And the dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Because a man who was once dead is now alive. We need to change our perspective. It's not a question of God, where are you? It's a God, it's God, I put my faith and trust in you and what you're doing and asking that you would lead me. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they wanted healing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. They wanted healing. Jesus wanted resurrection. He wanted a better thing. Maybe something that you want, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe something that God wants for you is a better thing. Maybe it's a better thing. There's so many of us in times in which we're waiting on that right someone. I believe maybe there's someone here or maybe online and maybe you're a girl and, 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 you're, and you're saying, I have to marry him. God, he's the one. God, he's perfect. He's the one I want to marry. I'm tired of being single. I'm tired of being alone. God, he's the one. And three years later, you marry the other, him. And you look back and say, God, thank you. Because this is an upgrade for what I was wanting. I can't even tell you how many people that I talk to that they settle. Don't settle. 
wait on God. So many times the people, you know, God, I want this job, I want this job. And nine months later, you have another job, and it's a better job. The first one that you wanted, they're downsizing because of the economy. And look through the period of time in which you're saying, God, you're not there. God, I don't feel you. God, God, why aren't you listening to me? Why don't you care about me? God's saying, I do. Perhaps God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. Just because you're not married now and you want to be married, God knows your heart's desire. Do you have the patience to wait? Maybe you're in a marriage right now that you really wish you could get out of. God doesn't want you to get out of the marriage. He wants the marriage to change. Maybe he's going to show you the power that if you walk with him and submit to him and you and your spouse can find a level of intimacy that you never even knew existed. The problem is that far too many of us who just want to do it on our own because we don't think God is moving fast enough or that he cares. Just because your child isn't serving Jesus today, don't think that that's the end of the book. Maybe it's a season and a chapter, but with all your heart you keep praying and keep pleading with God, and who knows, that could be the next missionary three years from now that's leading people to Jesus in their workplace on fire. Because they have the greatest testimony to see, man, I was one jacked up, messed up, screwed up person. And I've been redeemed and I've been saved and I've been set whole and set free. And look at the the testimony now. You may wake up in your situation and realize that the scene of your greatest disappointment may be the setting of your greatest miracle. The scene of your greatest disappointment. It may be the setting of your greatest miracle. If you allow God to do what he wants to do in your life, the thing that you never ever wanted becomes the thing that God uses to reveal his goodness and his plan and his love for you with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you that your word does not return void and we can look at the story and God, sometimes maybe it's, it's, it's our own, the roadblocks in our own mind that keep us from seeing the perspective that we need to see today. So God, I pray that you use this story of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. God, that we would have the faith to be patient and to lean into you no matter what's going on in our life. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that comes through him, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, so that we can have hope. We love you and praise you. And everyone said, amen. Well, on the back of your message notes, or actually also online, if you're online with us, there's a QR code. I encourage you, if you have questions about 
faith about knowing who Jesus is, or maybe you, you know who Jesus is, but you've been doing life your own way, and you need to recommit and renew that faith, you can scan those QR codes. Maybe if you're in, in on campus with us right now, I would encourage you, if you can go to the lounge, there's people that would love to pray with you, to hear what's going on in your life, to encourage you. If you're online, you can click the prayer button, and know that team of people will be praying with you over what's going on in life. If you're new, there's a welcome gift we'd love to put in your hands out on the patio. You can pick that up. Or online, you can also click and we'd love to get a gift in your hand. We want to encourage you that you know without a shadow of a doubt God loves you unconditionally. And no matter what's going on in your circumstances in life, hold your head up and lean into Him because He's got great things for you. I'm going to turn back over to our host. God bless you guys.